this amateur hour. Yeah, I ain't no Superman businessman like you. You know, I'm just an amateur. I suppose. Amateur hour is what's happening. <laughs> amateur hour is what's AHPKC is brought to you by ArrowheadPride.com. This is a show about football and friendship and fun. We're truthful, but not always accurate. We're red and yellow and ridiculous. We're basically Andy Reid's wardrobe, but but a podcast. Enough of the formalities. Can we talk Chiefs now? Let's go. Folks, you got Ryan Scott Hall and my homie, His Darkness. Up, His Darkness. Up, the Chiefs, the Kansas City Chiefs, the football team that we all know and love and follow religiously. They're not bad. They're two and zero. Two and zero. We got two wins. Hey, and they were both. Are they QB wins? Oh yeah, they're QB wins. Oh yeah, chalk them up. All right, put them up. I'm sure. I that, dare you to score twenty on Alex Smith. I dare you. It's a guaranteed win for us. I'm sure that we will uh, spend some time on Alex Smith today. But let's let's Ow. start with a few other people of note, Ooh. or things of note. If oh, you okay. Will. And no, now, no. normally this is where I'd say let's do the news, but no nudes. We're not going to do the news this week. No nudes. Uh, keep it classy. But. I wanna I wanna address a couple things that transpired outside of Arrowhead Stadium before we discuss what transpired inside of Arrowhead right. Stadium. So on the way home from the game, uh-oh, shortly before we arrived uh-oh. home, Dirk said, I need to do <laughs> twenty minutes of burping. Followed by 20 minutes of farting, and then I'm going to go to sleep. How did how did your Sunday afternoon go, Dirk? Uh, I think I combined all those. I didn't separate them out like I may have planned. Okay. But uh, no, no nap. No? I'm definitely on team no nap, and I didn't even nap after drinking 12 beers from starting at 8 a.m. or whatever. Okay. So uh, I made it to about 9 p.m. or so. Yeah. Watched the Sunday night game on Monday morning. It's nice, nice little Sunday. Uh, it was a good Sunday. We, I was, I was on uh, man, only a few hours of sleep after a late Saturday night at Did work. Um, you picked me up at like ten after seven. We took a really blurry picture in the car on the way to <laughs> quick trip. What like the blurriest picture I've ever seen? Uh, I couldn't even tell it was me. I knew it was me. I couldn't even tell. <laughs> I had a good setup. Had some cool neighbors. Uh, really liked that picture. That our neighbors hung up of really tan Hank Stram and and really young Lamar Hunt. Yeah. That was cool. Shout out to uh, Billy True Love. Yeah, I do have a picture of that. You didn't send it out though? Uh, I don't don't know. Maybe. I don't know if I sent it out. But 
But Billy True Love, we found him, we met him, standing yep. right next door. I was really feeling the love out at Arrowhead. Yeah. I, I mean, if maybe if it's just, if all it takes is us wearing bright yellow Andy Reid Hawaiian shirts to get noticed, then that is what we'll do. Yeah. Because I was really um, feeling the love. A lot of... Feel, just hearing my name rain down in the concourse, like, hey, 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 what's up? Yeah. Had a, had a lot of comments on the, the Hawaiian shirts. Um... And we gave one away last night, or I guess you did. Really, I, w- I didn't really participate in the oh, yeah. giveaway portion of oh, it. Yeah. I wanted to make sure that the drawing was as random as possible, oh, so yeah. I didn't want to bias it. But with that being said, over under on how many cute girls were offered the free shirt on Sunday? <laughs> <laughs> uh, there may have been a few. I mean, yeah, I was definitely like every time a girl asked me about the shirt, "Hey, we're giving one away tomorrow." I'm, and I'm picking the winner, so <laughs> just putting that out there. Should have offered to trade her for her shirt right there. Um, That's the power move. Is, can I ask about Woody, or do I need to? Is that? <laughs> I don't. I don't want to. Shout out to our buddy Woody. Uh, he may have gotten to some shenanigans after the game, but uh, is he okay? Yeah, I think he's okay. Okay. Yeah. I hadn't. I hadn't heard. He's that alive. Way, so he's alive. Okay. I mean, what what good is a Chiefs game without losing a friend for a while? <laughs> I mean, especially at a home opener. Yeah. I mean, it was just a few years ago that Dirk got hit by a car at a home opener. Yep. So yep. Uh, still fighting those off. Still fighting know, that. I mean, it's injury off. It was a it was a good Sunday, all told. <laughs> um, so I I mean I as usual break my notes down into like offense and defense, and then just like some random thoughts. But I'm happy to start wherever you would like to start today, Dirk. The floor is yours. Oh, cool. Um, so let's see. I didn't really have... I mean, I was out at the game. I was having a damn good time. Uh, I got two two big takeaways here. The first of which being I never, ever felt nervous. Not going into the game. Not during the game. Not at any point did I feel nervous. Mm-hmm. Uh, and maybe that's just because, uh, you know, I had those 12 beers that I may have mentioned earlier. Uh, maybe because we beat the Patriots, so it almost feels like we're kind of playing with house money already this year, because mm-hmm. nobody expected 1-0. And so, I mean, we lose the Eagles. Okay, well, we're 1-1 one one exactly where we thought we would be. Would have been a big, like, that would have been a setback, though, right? Yeah. You know? Yeah, I mean, it would have sucked after the fact, but I never, it never even entered my mind. I never even thought, sure. like, we're falling sure. to 1-1. One one. Like, we're just going to pull this game out, we're going to be 2-0. Okay. Uh, maybe that's because of Patrick Mahomes and the future being so bright. That maybe where you didn't have the highest expectations for this season, so maybe it's just a house money season. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but whatever. I, I never felt nervous at all during the game. I just thought it was a game we had. I was there to have fun, enjoy the game. Uh, I, I am the guy that gets nervous in games like that, and I and I never felt nervous. The second point, um, I'm going to preface it by saying Andy Reid is a god, and then I'm going to ask the question: Who on the Chiefs? Who we had expectations for coming into this season is playing below expectation level right now. Of the good players on the team, who's gotten off to a bad start? After the first game, I might have said Chris Jones because he was kind of silent in that game. Well, he came back with three sacks, two forced fumbles, and a pick. Uh, Other than that, I don't know. You could say Eric Fisher maybe. I think he's been okay, but I think he's okay. So that's okay. Uh, Peters gave up some yards in week two. 
Not that I'm too worried about. Who else? Kareem Hunt's awesome. Alex is awesome. Kelsey's gotten flags, but he's played good. Uh, Tyreek's looked good. Chris Jones, Peters, DJ looks about what I expect. A step slower, mm-hmm. but still making plays. <coughs> Houston looks good. Who's, what's, what's the, what's the downfall here? What's, who's, who's the, um, what's the opposite of bright spot? Who's the dull spot? Um, I mean, in many ways, I guess you answered your own question. Um, you kind of took away any, any potential talking point that I, I would have had. There you go. Um, so thanks for that. Yeah. Um, all right. So I'll say this, uh, from my really nice vantage point, thanks to a loyal friend and follower, Ryan Ewing. Thanks again for the cool seat, man. Um, I think that I think that one thing that stood out to me the confidence that you talked about for some reason to, to me I, I think that what it really boiled down to was more about like Andy Reid going against Doug Peterson and and maybe also throwing in like Alex against Carson Wentz. Like a lot of people want to break that conversation down into it's like, well, coach and quarterback, you know, because that's that seems to be the default for so many people. Um, but I too, I, I wasn't ever really nervous, um, and some of that may have just been drunkenness and exhaustion. But um, I tell you what, man, all I can say is it's a really good feeling um, to to not have that kind of panic because we talked about that after the New England game of just like you get into that that fourth quarter territory and especially when you're playing a team like the Patriots and it's like as Chiefs fans we know how this game ends Mm -hmm. and as Patriots fans we know how this game ends and I mean it's a, a big difference between the Patriots and the Eagles and you know Gillette Stadium and Arrowhead Stadium but um I overall this is a pretty classic Sunday fun day for me. In terms of guys that that are maybe playing below what you expect. Before you, before you get on that, let me just say I like the Eagles too. I've I've told you before the season I'm high on the Eagles. Like yeah. I think they're going to be pretty good even after mm-hmm. these first two weeks. I think they're be pretty good. Yeah. Like they added Alshon and adds they added Torrey Smith who pretty much all he does is run downfield. He dropped a couple balls against us, fortunately. Uh, but that's going to open up their offense a little bit. Wentz looks pretty good. Their front seven is stacked. Like I think the Eagles are a pretty good team, and they'll be right around nine and seven, ten and six, looking at the playoffs. I think they're a team right now that, without Ronald Darby, that that sucks for them. I mean, I think that they were really they handled not having Ronald Darby and then having their starting safety and their nickel player both get injured in the game, and they handled it really well. Against the Chiefs? Yeah. And a lot of that had to do with the play of their front seven, or primarily the play of their defensive line. But I have, I've got some notes on that, okay. and I don't want to jump the gun. I mean, really, there, there isn't anyone on the team that's underperforming, but I mean, I guess in, in a way that's to be expected when you're 2-0 and and one of those wins is quite literally historic. Yeah. Um, but here's the here's the the brighter spot of that is that at two and zero, 
you can still see a lot of things that it's like, man, we can get so much better. Like what? Um, the biggest thing for me right now, I'd say, is that the offense, while they've obviously shown uh, some some pretty electric things, I'm a little scared about the way that Kareem Hunt is performing right now. Um, through through two weeks with as well as he's playing. And what that does for the offense, what it does for Alex Smith being able to go into play action. And we talked about the impact of having this guy that is now, you know, first, second, third option that's like right up there with Kelsey and Hill. And that was completely unexpected. And the way that that changes your offense and that it's not just like another, you know, receiving option that like this guy can really be the, the bell cow. Yeah. Hey. Um, but so here's the deal. Kareem Hunt is a feature back. He absolutely is. Like, this is the guy that you want to get the ball in his hands 20 to 25 times a game. And so I know that Andy Reid is a genius, and he's one of the best Amen. offensive minds in the NFL. But if Kareem Hunt gets injured, or if his body starts to wear down, I look at this offense and I wonder, like... Who's next? Because if it's Shark Hendrick West, he's already shown an ability not to be able to stay healthy, and he's already shown an ability that he's not to not be. Good. He's not really very good. Um, <laughs> he's basically a sixth offensive lineman. He comes and, in only on passing downs and then blocks. Great blocker out of the backfield. I'll give him that. But so that's the thing. And then you have Akeem Hunt is the other active running back on the roster, and so I'm I'm looking at this thinking, well, I mean, you can incorporate Tyreek Hill, you can incorporate DeAnthony Thomas, we've gotten really creative, you can technically incorporate Travis Kelsey with these shovel passes, like, I get it, but if the offense is going to be in such a way, like, framed around Kareem Hunt, if he goes down, if he misses any kind of extended period of time, or even if his body just wears down, we're right back to where we were last year, I guess. Which is still okay, but like, I just don't... If that's the biggest worry, then then we are doing alright. You know what I mean? I know what you're saying. No, I mean, that's the thing. The biggest worry right now is waiting for something to go wrong. Yeah. Because there's no... Because we're Chiefs fans and it always goes wrong. What player debate can we have right now? We're not coming in here debating Alex. We're not coming in here debating, you know, Tyreek Hill as a number one receiver. We might come out here and debate Travis Kelsey being a dumbass. That's yeah. fine. There's but that really doesn't have that. that doesn't have too much to do with like on the field. Like right. figure it out. That there it is. There you go. There's no players we're debating here. Everybody looks good. Everybody who thought we we're gonna be good looks good. We can debate the dregs of the roster. We can pay, debate Ross Travis not being able to catch a pass or Brian Whitman getting flagged on back to back plays. Like we can debate those guys, but they aren't. We're not counting on them, obviously. Mm-hmm. And they're playing. You know. Their, their worry spots, like how we saw them before the season. Like, nothing's a surprise there. Everybody who we thought was good going into the year looks good. We're just in such a good place. It's it's unbelievable. You're almost waiting for, like, someone to get hurt or something. I mean, I... I it's the Chiefs' way. I sort of am. It's the Chiefs' way. Waiting for somebody to it's get the hurt. And, and we've already lost Barry. And we don't know what the length of time we're going to be without Mitch Morse is. Um, you know, but... but That's the, a good spot. That's a good spot for an injury. And that's... Zach I mean, Colton, great backup center. I almost, like, wanted to try to play that card a little bit of, like, well, if we were going to lose some Even our injuries are coming up. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, but, I mean, honestly, I think 
Zach Fulton is a center. He's not a guard, and I, I think he's actually a pretty darn good one. Um, but I, it doesn't hurt that he can play other positions. Yeah. Because he might be our backup tackle, guard, and center right now. Yeah. Well, not right now because he's starting, but that right. might be his actual position. You know, if you're filling out the Madden depth chart, Zach Fulton pegged in as number two at each position across the board. So since you've established that everyone on the team is good. Everybody's good. Um, I wanted to... Let's I, end it. Let's end the show. She's good. <laughs> uh, I, wanted to, I wanted to ask you something that I, I didn't know anything about until I listened to the, to the actual, like, I say broadcast today as, as I rewatched the game. Um, at the beginning of the game, when the because the Chiefs uh, got the opening kickoff, one of the things that the two announcers were talking about was Malcolm Jenkins mentioning Andy Reid's 15 scripted plays and how important it was as a defense to try to be as prepared as possible because inside of those 15 scripted plays, you're going to get some looks that you've probably never seen, um, and you have to be able to basically weather that opening storm mm. as a defense. Um, I, when I started thinking about this, um, my mind just went in like a hundred different directions, and mainly it was if the Chiefs come out and they go three and out on their first drive, does Andy then just go to play four the next time that we get the ball? No, I mean, I've always kind of wondered that too. I don't think they're, they're not in order. I think he just has 15 plays. But that's a, a script is in order. And I'm not I'm not trying to be too ridiculous, but it was like, well, but think about all the different scenarios that are involved yeah. in football. Yeah. And if Andy really has like 15 straight plays, and these are the first 15 plays no, that we're confusing. running on offense, I'm just like, I mean, people love to talk about this, huh. but like... Fullback dive on third and 12, really? On the first drive? <laughs> right. I'm sorry, man. It was play four. What do you want me to do? That's, and that's the kind of stuff I was just like... I don't know what the parameters are here, but um, you, you do get a lot of these things, and this is one of the things that I love about Andy Reid, um, and, and maybe it's just because of like how long he's been a coach and how much sustained success he's had as a coach, but like you get the Andy Reid coming off a bye or with extra time to prepare. You get the Andy Reid's 15 scripted plays. You get the Andy Reid time management. I mean, but all of these things, whether good or bad, he's like to that. me, he's working on that. He is. You get Andy uh, Reid, quarterback maximizer. Right, but like to me, all of that is just like it's it's fun. It adds fun to football for me. Yeah. Um, and and he's just the best. He he really he's is. He's just the best. He really is. Uh, if you want to throw a stat on that, uh, Andy Reid in his career, a hundred and ten and thirty five when scoring first in a game. Ooh. You know I love those scoring first. I like that. Get out to another league. Yeah. Andy I, does too. I can dig it. Andy does too. Um, one thing that I was not happy about with the offense, despite the fact that we won and everything turned out well, um, man, I was really surprised at, at what felt like a just such a quiet day for Tyreek. Um, it's okay because Kelsey <coughs> had a big day and Hunt had a big day, and it's hard to have all, all three guys go off. And Conley, really. Contributed too. Um, yeah, yeah, he did. Um, in the way that this offense allows him to. But uh, I, in looking at Pro Football Reference, not to be confused with Pro Football Focus. God, just the best and worst <laughs> site on the internet. I, I really, I really like Pro Football Reference because they give you pretty much like 
all of the the black and white stats, none mm. of the invented stats. And uh, I don't know if this is correct, but they they charted Alex as throwing the ball deep three times. I saw that. Do you recall? I can, saw that can, on Pro Football Focus, can, oddly oh, enough. Yeah. Can you name the three deep passes? Well, he went two or three. Yeah, he hit Kelsey, he hit Conley, uh-huh. and then he missed... Oh, to Tyreek. Yeah. So, I thought... I was like, man, Tyreek had a quiet day. But then I was like, well, if he catches that ball, like, it's a Tyreek day. You know? Yeah, I saw, so, the, I saw there was some debate going on on with that pass, too, about whether I was poorly thrown or whether... Was it that in your end zone? We were kind of in it, opposite end zones. Yes. So um, that was in your end zone. I believe it was, and... Uh, listen, I sobered up as the game went on, and that was in the first quarter. <laughs> so, I'll, I can't 100% Me concrete Me stand either. on my I was watching plays, take, like, I don't remember this game. at all. I didn't remember Sproles spoke with a punt. and no recollection of that. Like, oh, that's how we scored. Oh, I've got a really fun story there. Um, but I I do remember seeing a couple people on Twitter being like, oh, man, Alex just missed him. And, and I said that I faulted Tyreek for not adjusting to that ball. But I don't know how early he's seeing the ball or looking at the ball. And so, like, I don't know. I mean... It's one you actually to, need all 22 to, to yeah, tell for sure. Because yeah. I'm watching the condensed game on Game Pass. You don't even get replays most of the time on that. It's just ball barely goes past his hand, and you have no idea whose fault it was. Yeah. But, I mean, it was yeah. still... If he misses that throw, I mean, it's off by half a yard. And his other two deep balls were both completely on the money. Yeah. His throw to Chris Conley... It was, like, directly in line to me. So, like, between me and Alex was Conley. Just, like, a perfect line. It couldn't have been more perfect. Like, you're just watching it fall down. Like, that's going to be right in his breadbasket. And it was. I mean, he just catches it completely on the run. Outside shoulder. The corner wasn't didn't have great coverage. But even if he did, he's probably not breaking that pass up. It was just perfectly thrown at a huge time. So, a few things on that throw. Um... I I read Mellinger's like game article that he talked about essentially the Chiefs are two and zero because of Alex Smith, um, and he mentioned that throw, and and I don't know if Sam was alluding to an audible or a hot route or something or whatever, but he basically said like Alex and Conley recognize man coverage and Alex put the ball up there for it. Hmm. Um, something that I recognized about it is that. What we when when we have discussed Alex throwing the ball deep in the past, I think it's always been well established that like Alex, when it comes to the ad libbing and ultimately throwing the ball down the field, which is where a lot of like the the great quarterbacks make their money. You imagine guys like Favre and Rogers and Russell Wilson and whoever, yeah, that that they run around and then can ultimately beat you yeah. by throwing the ball down the field. Um, that that's never been Alex's strength. It's always been like timing and rhythm throws. And so when he gets to the back of his three or five step drop and then unle- like unloads that ball and knows exactly where it needs to go, that he does well on those. Which and is both what throw to Kelsey was. Exactly. The throw to Conley was. The throw to Tyreek was. The yeah. very first play of preseason, yep. it was right on the money. Like all yes. of them are are yes. like this. This play is designed for you to make this throw, and and it's almost like I guess technically it's execution, 
but it's the way that it's drawn up and Alex not really having to do much thinking. It's just get, get to the top of your drop and, and let it fly. Um, obviously still a perfect throw to Conley. And I hope, and I'm not going to hold my breath here, but I hope that something like that, we have mentioned countless times that Alex is not really a trust ball thrower and where he placed that ball was obviously perfect, but like that is what Chris Conley can do. He did not create a lot of separation, but he used his body to be able to shield off the defender and just catch it out in front of him. The guy couldn't get around him because Conley is too big, mm. and he's got just enough speed to keep the guy behind him. And and he didn't make some great move at the line of scrimmage to to create separation. It's just like he's just a solid football player. But that's the only time that I saw Conley running up the sideline, and every other catch that he had was a five yard out for the most part. Mm-hmm. And they just a lot of those. They just man, they've got they have Chris Conley in shackles. He's in shackles, I tell you. That's fine. That's fine. Um, let's talk about let's talk about the end of the first half because you mentioned it. Okay. Um, what a <laughs> what a bizarre sequence of events that took place at the end of the first half. So the Chiefs get the ball at their own 37 with 2 minutes and 25 seconds and all three timeouts. Way to go, Andy! The Chiefs go three and out. (laughs) Sproles then fumbles the punt because he got hit by our long snapper and from behind was also hit by a guy that was just brought up from the practice squad this week in Akeem Hunt. I really want to give a quick shout-out to Akeem Hunt on this play because he's the first guy that Sproles dodged and he got up after Sproles darted like two or three more tacklers and joined in on the hit nice. with Winchester. So I like that hustle. Um, Take note, Ezekiel. <laughs> um, ultimately, Alex was sacked three times in a six play stretch. <laughs> yeah, got bad. <laughs> and then after kicking that field goal, the Eagles get that long, crazy catch from Ertz and end up inside of the 10-yard line only to then miss a 30-yard field goal as time expires. <laughs> um, I do want to point out, I mentioned um, the the defensive line and like how well the Eagles seemed to play. I know that Alex got hit a lot, and I know that there were a number of plays where, uh, against all odds, Kareem Hunt was stopped behind the line of scrimmage. Um the Eagles had all four of their sacks in about a 12-minute stretch of gameplay between the second and third quarters. So it wasn't this like, you know, oh man, constant just, problem, right? It, it well, they came out. They came out of the gate. We're throwing really quick, short passes to the outside. That was that mm-hmm. was the game plan coming out. Like two of the first three plays, I think, were just five-yard outs. Uh, so they wanted to get the ball out of their hands quickly, obviously. And then, yeah, once you get past those Andy Reid's 15 plays, that's when you saw the sacks probably come in. <laughs> yeah, good, good point. <laughs> <laughs> I just blew Ryan's mind. Um, I I want to I talk about Travis Kelsey because Travis Kelsey had a huge day offensively. Um, he had, he had a, a great catch down the field. He had a couple, like, fairly routine catch the ball and, you know, get tackled and you got seven yards. Uh, I mean, he had a couple uh, things that he makes look routine where he catches the ball and makes two or three guys miss and gains an extra ten yards. Big third um, and four on the 
Yeah. Uh, the play before the uh, Kareem Hunt touchdown, third and four conversion for him. I mean, it was nothing special, just a little stop, but then he catches it and races 15 yards upfield or something. He just finds some space on his own. And, no, and none of that uh, is, is yet to mention the time that he jumped over seemed like their whole team and <laughs> yeah. gracefully flew into the end zone. I think he did He did that earlier in the game. It I was, think on the same drive. It was like two or three plays before. Barely got clipped. Yeah. Just barely got clipped. Yeah. Um, he, was, he was in a long jumping mood. He must have watched some uh, some Carl Lewis highlights beforehand, maybe. I could, I could see that. Some Carl Lewis. But yeah. it was like high and long jump. I'm reminded of this Oh, what, what did I... I meant long jump. What did I say? Did uh, I say high jump? You... You said long jump. Long jump, yeah. But I said it's kind of high okay. and long jump. Gotcha. I'm reminded of, of the scene from Major League. Too high. Too hard. Who gives a shit? It's gone. It's kind of kind of what happened. I mean too high. <laughs> <laughs> so with with Kelsey, um, I really didn't expect that this game. I mean, I knew that he was... I'm assuming his family was there. I saw that he had like made that jersey for yeah, his mom. Yeah, a special jersey. Um, you know, he's he's getting to play against his brother, so maybe he's he's uh, you know got a little extra motivation or whatnot. Well, you saw the pregame story, right? Huh? Oh, you didn't about uh, Jason Kelsey told his teammates to shit talk and you know hit him a little bit late to get in his head, like huh. you can get in Travis's head. I did not see that. But I mean, that I, was that was a that was a thing. It didn't it didn't take he told his, his teammates didn't take his <laughs> like, brother to be able to say that. That could have just been yeah. like anyone that watches football. I don't know, man. I saw the pregame for week one. I thought he was a changed man. <laughs> really believable. It was on TV. <laughs> it's because he was named captain before that Steelers game. Yeah, it was the it was the turning point. Uh, and that interview, boy, is that thing aged. Yeah. It's a turning point. Before a game that he got a personal foul in, followed by previewing a game where he got a personal foul in, the week before another game where he got a personal foul. Is and by there, personal foul I mean unsportsmanlike conduct, whatever. Is there like a is there like a like a rule the way that there are rules in the NBA about like the number of technicals? Do? Like yeah. yeah, you don't hear the rest say it. But it's in it's a, his, in it's the his game? First personal foul blah blah blah. Oh, if you get the second, second one you get you get ejected. Okay, but that's only in a single game. It's game, not yeah. like a, a stretch. Of no cumulative total? Yeah. No, I don't okay. think so. All right. No Kelsey gets suspended for a playoff game because he had eight unsportsmanlike conducts on the season. Okay, all right. I mean, I, was just, I just wanted to make sure. Some he's, some weird rule that's never really there gotten is. there. He's right. lucky there is. Uh, having the advantage of being able to watch on TV today... You said so. You you just I didn't really see Andy chew him out. I heard Andy chewed him out good. Oh man! I saw a very quick cut of it. Do you, oh, I was gonna say like, do do you want to watch it? Because <laughs> look, um, I don't think I've ever seen Andy look like that, like make that face. <laughs> and I know that like the sun was out, and I know that <laughs> Andy's kind of ginger a little bit. He hates the sun? Or? His face was as red as his jacket. <laughs> Andy was hot. As red as the Kool-Aid. Um, so, listen, I'm going to say this, um, and it's not really fair or reasonable, but, um, I mean, as, as, as we say in the intro, you know, we're truthful, but not always accurate. Um, in watching that, and so now you're going to have to go back and watch it, I'm sure, 
he doesn't have a choice when he's a few yards away from the sideline other than to like be be looking at Andy. When he gets to the sideline, it's Andy on Travis's side. Like I don't think that he was in any way interested in hearing what Andy Reid had to say. I think that honestly, like his body language, I'm the body language doctor today. Honestly, it didn't look like anyone that appeared to be interested in like taking coaching, even if that's just angry coaching at that point. And I've already expressed like my frustrations with Travis Kelsey. I mean, I, I get that he's a hyped up guy, and he obviously was all game long. I mean, he that long play was like on the first drive. Yep. And he had two or three catches in the first quarter, and he's doing all of his Travis Kelsey stuff, and that's that's exciting. People like that, and you want to see him get hyped up. But like, I don't know, man. Maybe lay off the fucking energy drinks or something. Like, I, I that goes that goes not just for Travis. That goes for everybody. Come on, guys, lay off the fucking energy drinks. They're so bad for you. I just drink I, anything, anything but an energy drink. I know that. Like, carry on. Carry we on. we can all we can all joke around about the Travis Kelsey experience. We can all. Say, you know what, but he had a good game, so it doesn't really matter. But, like, there's there's something about his lack of overall maturity that is just endlessly frustrating to me. And maybe it is just, a, like, a small gripe. But can you can you imagine, like, what he would look like if he didn't have these, these stupid things? I mean, maybe maybe it doesn't diminish who he is at all. And and it's just like people like me sitting back and just being frustrated and really it doesn't matter that much. But I guess I just I'm just like, dude, yeah, not I mean, I think it's part of his personality, which is what endears him to so many people and kind of makes him the face of the Chiefs. But but Cleaning up the penalties and like the fumbles at the always worst possible time. I'm not saying he shouldn't stop. I mean, I, <laughs> I just, guys, I just, it's not really in defending his actions at this point. It's just like, dude, figure it out. And obviously, Andy had talked to them, and that's why he was chewing his ass out so much. Oh man, like, figure it out. He'll get it figured out. I would hope. I but, just, Andy, I mean, what do you? What is? What is there to do? I mean, we, I don't. I don't know. Andy, Andy looked like he was fed up. Good. Good. He should be. He. Andy should be pissed. He should. The th- honestly, the thing that I would have loved, though. So, did you did you see Ben McAdoo after the game? Did you see what McAdoo was talking about with no. with uh, Eli? No. Oh God. Apparently, there was an instance. I didn't watch the game, but apparently, there was an instance where they didn't call timeout and they got a delay of game. And it sounds like it was a really important time in the game. Okay. And they asked him about it. And they were like, so why didn't you call timeout? And he's like, because I have a veteran quarterback, and I assumed that he would take care of that. <laughs> and, and, like, they asked him, like, two or three follow-up oh, questions, and he was like, it's just bad quarterback play. Like, oh, man. Like, crushing awesome. Eli Manning. Awesome. And, he's going to get fired. And so now, I just, like, now I want to see Andy maybe go outside of what he normally does and, and actually just be like, Travis is a dumbass. <laughs> and, not, and not in a funny way. It is funny. All right, we. I mean, Andy's such a player's coach; like he's not gonna. No, he's not. Uh, I don't know how you play it. I mean, you tell him to stop, and he obviously did, and he didn't. I don't. You're not gonna bench him. No, I don't, you're not. I don't know what 
you do other than, hey, figure it out. You're, you're a grown man here. So we've talked quite a bit about the offense. This is the first week that the Chiefs defense played a game without Eric Berry, kind of the fearless leader. Um, I saw a number of people after the game mention um, Justin Houston and kind of the leadership that he sh- showed, uh, I guess, and not just on the field, obviously, but like in the locker room after the game. Uh, you've got the quote from Justin Houston saying, we gave up you know, 26 first downs, like, I'm glad that we won, but this is not good enough at all. That was nice. Um, and nice. we need to, you know, we need to play better team defense. And I don't. Care. He said something like, "I don't care if I have 20 sacks in a game. Like, oh, we, we have to play as a team." If he had 26 in a game, that'd be that'd be something. Yeah, I think I, I would I care think that we would win. I, <laughs> I wouldn't care if we lost. Hey, Derek Thomas had what seven in a game, seven in a game, yeah, and lost, and we lost. So you know, getting 20 in a game and losing is possible. But I, but let me just say, if he gets 20 sacks and we lose, I'm still gonna be. Like super pumped. I'm still. I don't. Like, I don't care what we that, lose. That was awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. I. I think that. Uh, so first first game without Eric Berry. Uh. Overall, how, how do we look? How do you think we looked? Well, I, I teased the podcast by saying uh, my game ball. Everyone was mentioning Chris Jones for obvious reasons. Uh, I saw uh, Therese handed his to Justin Houston for obvious reasons. He played his ass off. My game ball goes to. Daniel Sorensen. Dirty Dan Day! That dude was everywhere, man. Uh, he actually caused the pressure that led to the Jones interception mm-hmm. off of, it looked like Justin Houston's helmet, maybe, mm-hmm. or like shoulder pad or something. Uh, he was just in his face all day. Uh, I kind of jiffed up a play where he rocked Wentz. There was a whole other play where he went flying into Wentz. Mm-hmm. Like, he had three quarterback hits. I, I looked at the stat line before, and I was like, damn, Sorensen had three quarterback hits? That seems strange. Mm-hmm. And he was in Wentz's grill all day, which is just a really weird thing to say about Daniel Sorensen. Not what I was expecting. I was, it looked like he was kind of like on some delay blitzes, kind of where he has the running back and then sees him staying in the block and then blitzes. Uh, there's a name for that, but I don't, don't have it right now. Uh, but it was very effective, and he was given good push up the middle. I thought he was just great. He was great. Except for that touchdown at the end that ruined my underbet, where all he had to do was push him out of the back of the end zone. A simple push, and he doesn't get both those feet down. That's that's the only knock on him. So September seventeenth shall henceforth be known as Dirty Dan Day. Dirty Dan Day. Um, I I was really excited to see how the defense shaped up, specifically how the secondary and uh, let's call it the back seven. Um, like how Sutton wanted to use his personnel. And I went through and looked at the snap counts, and I didn't do the math, but, like, man, it looks weird. It really looks weird. D. Ford played two-thirds of the snaps, and Frank Zombo only played 10% of the snaps. And so I'm looking at, okay, so that means that we're adding in extra defensive linemen. They're constantly adding in extra defensive backs and, like, just got some really um, interesting looks from Sutton I do remember specifically one of the plays where I I guess it would have been Houston. Did Houston Houston got the sack? I don't know. There's a there's a play design in there where Sutton had Houston and Ford on the same side, both standing up, and then like all three defensive linemen shifted over a little bit. Yeah, and he did that a few different times, and and really confused the front and and I guess 
the, the quarterback, too. Wentz didn't handle it extremely well. Wentz doesn't handle um, pressure very well at all. No. He's, um, he's in a pretty good spot, considering their offensive line is pretty good. Yeah. And Doug Peterson likes a quick-throwing offense. Like, once he gets pressure, like, he does, like, get rid of the ball, Carson. Yeah. Maybe maybe throw the ball away a few times. Oh, and so he had he had two fumbles on yeah. Sunday <laughs> with oh. no ball security. Have you, have you seen the stats on him? Yeah, his turnover his plays fumbles, or whatever. Oh no, just his fumbles. Just fumbles. He's, he's fumbled not like lost fumbles, but like put the ball on the ground like twenty times in eighteen games. Doesn't, I mean, neither it's of those. Chris Jones stripped it from him and had no idea that he stripped it. The other time, and the other just one is just kind of, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he just dropped it. It was like he was trying to dribble the ball. He dropped yeah. it. It did not look good. Um, well, so just just in like all the different the packages and the looks that Sutton gave, I, I really thought that for the most part the defense played well. But then I look at it and I'm like, God, they really did give up like 26 first downs. It seemed like a lot of chunk plays, um, and some of it was like Sproles just doing Sproles things, even at 34 years old. Um, and, and then just the completions and some of them, you know, it's like on that first drive, like Peters was playing way off the line of scrimmage and they run like the sort of rub route and Alshon comes underneath on a drag and then he gets to, you know, run for 12 or 13 yards because Peters was playing 15 yards off of him, you know? So some of it is just like, this wasn't. I don't know. I, I, I wasn't like mad at the defense, but there's certainly some things that they're going to have to clean up a little bit. They did. They had a lot of yards, and this doesn't really apply to first downs, but you know they went 80 yards on that final drive mm-hmm. that had no bearing. Uh, and then they had, what did they get on the earth catch? 60, 60, something. 60 yards. So yeah. you know take out 140 yards there of either a fluke or a meaningless drive. Mm-hmm. And I think they did pretty good. Uh, D Ford snaps look higher than you previously ported. Sixty seven out of seventy two. Oh um, maybe I was curious I was... about that. Like who would have filled in at outside line? That's why I was it seemed so weird and so maybe I was looking at the number of snaps rather than the percentage and I because I said sixty seven percent. It seemed like he it was like yeah. he only played two thirds of the game and I was like, wait what? They were in LeGarrette Blunt like didn't play. They never went base offense yeah. Sproles was in the entire game, and so the Chiefs were essentially in the nickel the entire game. This, for some reason, this doesn't list uh, Ramik Wilson's snaps, so I don't blame Joel for that. Hmm. I was wondering how many split, how many snaps he got in because we had to have been in nickel the whole whole time. Uh, I like uh, the safety separation of I think Eric Murray can play like that slot position pretty well. Uh, you've seen Barry kind of do that quite a bit, where it's just kind of like a rover uh, playing the slot, safety, cornerback hybrid kind of thing. I think he's pretty good there. He made a nice play on an Alshon throw over the middle. Uh, I like Ron Parker as the deep safety, and then I like Sorensen in the box. Yeah. And whether that's on tight ends, helping out the running game, or pressuring the quarterback, apparently. Uh, I think that's kind of how you'll see the safety situation shake out. And what you're really losing with Eric Barry is that he could kind of do all three so you're just kind of losing some versatility and maybe tipping your hand a little bit with the three safeties now. I saw, so I think all three of those, they're pretty fit to, to fill those roles. Like, yeah. There's not yeah. a huge hole there. Eric Murray was pretty good. I mean, I didn't – Ertz got him a few times. But he had a, but, couple, he had a couple nice plays yeah. too. He had a couple pass breakups. Um, and, really nice and, on the Hail Mary. Yeah. yeah. He was right in the center on that Hail Mary. And he had a few um, fills in the run game where he looked good. Like – 
I'd say right now, if there's anything that one of those guys can't do, um, there, there's two things that I feel like I could identify. And it would be, I don't want Eric Murray like playing in the box. He was there a few times. I can I can have him come up and maybe like do some man, but I don't want him in that like real like linebacker role. Yeah. Um, and I don't want to see Sorensen lined up one on one over the slot. Really, like I don't I don't really want to see him in in, in man That's on fair. a receiver for the most part. Um, I tell you what though, in addition to your giving him like the the MVP of the day game or, ball or the game ball, um, something that the I think dirt ball. Yeah, that's something that a lot of people don't usually account for are like the extra snaps, the hidden snaps, the team's snaps. Sorensen played every single defensive snap and another 19 on special teams. Nice. Um, good for, if you're doing your math at home, 99 snaps on the day. Energizer for, Danny. For Dirty Danny. <laughs> um, so, I don't, I don't know how to talk about Justin Houston or Chris Jones because they were both just like really transcendent on Sunday um, just playing really as well as you can play your position uh, I was a little bit worried about Chris Jones really, like super quiet against game. Patriots yeah. yeah maybe not worried is the right but like where was he against New England yeah like it seemed like everybody else showed up where was he and then and, and I think he kind of answered that and, but and at the same time though I think that he ended up being kind of the benefactor not always of like him doing this one amazing thing himself, and don't get me wrong, there were there were plenty of those instances too where it was just what like what you saw last year of my arms are longer than yours and yeah. I'll just throw <laughs> yeah, you just out of the way pretty off. much. Um, we but, call those endomicans. Endomicans? Yeah, I don't call them those. Oh, you don't? No, no yeah. I don't. Okay. Um, the really the only like low moment was Justin Houston. Getting like juked out of his jockstrap <laughs> by Carson Wentz in the fourth yeah. quarter, I tried to I tried to fire off a tweet that Justin Houston's jock was then going to be bought on eBay by our friend Craig Stout for a hey, lot of money. Hey, that's very good. Um, and I and I just couldn't get to it. You should send it now and just be like, "Damn, it was it was stuck in the cloud the whole time." Yeah, it was a good tweet. I promise. You had to be there. Um, <laughs> but that was that was a low like moment in the stadium for or? him. Um, <laughs> But I mean, aside from that, like you mentioned, you mentioned DJ. You said that he's kind of playing as expected. There were a couple times where it was like I saw him take a bad angle on Sproles, where it was just like the we discussed this last week. The yeah, the the thirty year old Derek Johnson angle, not the 34, 35 year old Derek. And Johnson that's going to take some adjustment. But that happened last year too, where also first... Rick Wilson did it too to Sproles. He's just yeah. really fast. Yeah, <laughs> man, and he's thirty four years old. Yeah, he's still so good. Hall of Famer. Uh, Put him in the Hall of Fame. I don't care. So he's like I, top five all time, all purpose yards. Yeah, he should he should make the Hall of Fame. Give him the the Eric Metcalf Award for go. making the Hall of Fame. There you go. The Dave Taub Hall of Fame. Ooh, go. I actually started that this offseason. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna put both those guys in. So I want to I want to ask you something about DJ. And I don't know if this is just like a situational thing, and so like uh, well, of course he did. Or if I'm picking up on something. So two weeks in a row now, I've seen DJ have to suddenly, unexpectedly, and and almost like a little panicked, him having to run out to the edge and basically be playing corner, but it's on a running back. Yeah. And so 
I know that a lot of times when you're shifting guys around and whatnot, like it's the quarterback's way of figuring out what the defense is doing. Mm-hmm. I want to make your guys move and see if it's a shift or if it's a follow, is it man or zone yeah. or whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, but, I mean, I have now seen this two weeks in a row of Derek Johnson having to go out there, not looking comfortable. It's a last-minute thing. He's not looking ready. I'm not feeling comfortable about it. <laughs> Who is he chasing? Sproles? Uh, yes. And so I'm, I'm, th- I'm wondering, like, are teams targeting Derek Johnson in that situation, or is it just like, this is your responsibility, you're in man, so you have to go follow that running back? Well, or is it both? The Patriots obviously saw him, like, fall down on that first one against Burkhead. Yeah. Like, Burkhead ran like a slant and go or something and easily got by Derek Johnson. He kind of ended up on the ground. And then tried to go back to that later, and Derek was ready for it. So that was obviously, like, an offensive coach noticed it, like, hey, yeah. Burkhead has an advantage out here, and then Derek Johnson covered it well. And so nobody on Peterson's staff noticed it because it's Doug Peterson. So that's fine. Uh, <laughs> he's not used to doing anything. <laughs> yeah, correct. So that's that's cool. All right. I don't, I they think, did, Peterson they gets do. a lot of shit, man. They're going to be pretty good. His offense gets it done. I, like, think, I don't I think they'll be all right. I, I think Lombardi went a little too far. There's worse coaches. Fucking, what's his face? The Giants coach is way worse. Uh, I did. I saw way a, worse. I saw a tweet from Lombardi today. I man, I I have a hard time with him sometimes. I will I will say that. But he said that when McAdoo was the offensive coordinator, the Giants scored thirty points like I don't know fourteen times out of however many games. And since he's become the head coach, they haven't scored thirty points yet. <laughs> like oh, that's not a good look. <laughs> um, he's the, bad. So the let's talk about D Ford and and Justin Houston in the pass rush in general, but mainly D Ford and Justin Houston. So. D4 got his first sack, and it wasn't just his first sack of the season. It was the first time that D4 got a sack when not just being an edge rusher. Um, his sack came at, like, basically kind of a stand-up three-tech. He was inside of someone, um, and he really, like, put a move on a guard. Um, so it was really nice. He, he like, grabbed his jersey and just kind of held yeah, on yeah. very strong-handed sack. So yeah, I mean, strong he's, hands. He's been flexing that five five so often. Ah. You know, he got the hand strength up to hang on to that jersey yeah. real tight. I use something else to get my hand strength up, but his uh, way works too. Okay, it, yeah, all right. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, so D sack came from the right side, where basically he he has been lining up most of the time, um, but I noticed. Quite a bit. It wasn't every play, and it wasn't um, like a like a full time thing. Like once you saw it, it stayed that way. But I would say at least like forty percent of the time, he and Justin Houston were swapped. And so I don't know what Sutton is doing other than recognizing that for the most part, D Ford can't rush from the right side. Um, I did, uh, Craig did mention to me that he said, I think that the swap is happening in order to try to maybe, uh, navigate him not being so great in run defense by putting him next to Bailey. I saw that. Is, um, is Bailey a better run defender than Jones? I don't know if either of them is like... Jones more just more of a penetrator and Bailey kind of I don't, I don't plays know. his gap more maybe? I don't know. I don't, I'm not sure. See, cause I like that. 
because you want, you would put D four next to your worst run defender, like spread it out. So because something we talked about last week, the teams are going to run at D four quite a bit. Eagles never really committed to the running game, so I don't think we got much of an answer there. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I put the better run defender next to him, but I don't. Chris Jones and Alan Bailey seem about equal in that to me, but mm-hmm. I don't know. I tell you I, what. I don't know. Look, if if putting D Ford next to the better run defender means Justin Houston and Chris Jones are playing yeah. like two feet from one another, <laughs> yeah, no kidding. That's cool. Yeah, that sounds awesome. That might have might have helped there. I actually uh, saw something too. The uh, Eagles had a guard who was kind of picked on. Uh, we got four of our sacks on him. Probably the, a lot of the Chris Jones ones. Probably the the left guard, kind of like our left guard, who's yeah. not very good. Yeah. And, and uh, also that left guard gets to play in between a, a pretty decent tackle and a, and a pretty decent center, yeah. kind of like in Philadelphia. Is Kelsey, Kelsey is their center? Yeah, and then, I mean, they have Jason, uh, Peters. Jason Peters, who's, I mean, he's 35 or something. But yeah, it was, so. was kind of cool. I don't know if the Chiefs really went out of their way to do it, but attack a weakness mm-hmm. on the opposing offense, because something you always talk about is that the Chiefs' offense doesn't attack a weakness on the yeah. opponent's defense enough. Mm-hmm. So we kind of saw it the other way, like, hey, we got a guard who's really struggling here, like, let's, you know, Put Chris Jones on him every play and have him block him against the pass. Little inside football talk. I believe they call it an A gap blitz. Oh. So so we were we were running in those or, or blitzing in those A gaps. Mm. And they got an A on the report card for the day too, because of how well they executed. I give them an S plus. <laughs> Just like in the first grade days. <laughs> well, I think that that was the first time that I've seen D lined up like that, like inside of, yeah, of I didn't somebody that. and, I didn't and just being inside. Um, I mean, look, I don't know if they were just trying to draw up some specific things based on feeling like they know the offense pretty well, and so like these are ways that we have been beat or what, and so almost like self-scouting in order to, to play against you know Doug Peterson's Eagles or what, but I, I love the creativity from Bob Sutton. Because I feel like at times he's been pretty slow to acclimate, not just like on a, on a game-to-game basis, but certainly inside of games, too. Um, and I feel like so far, and it would still, it's early in the season, and frankly they had, you know, people kept saying six months to prepare for New England, and then they had extra time to re- prepare for a team that they already seemed to know pretty well. And four years to prepare for Philadelphia. <laughs> now... The I think that the interesting test starts this upcoming Sunday. Um, you've got an zero and two Chargers team that have be lost, lost both of their games. Basically, very like, Chargers way. Yeah, yeah, some Chargers shit, as as people like to say. <laughs> um, I'm not confident about Sunday. I can see that after after. The, the confidence that I felt at Arrowhead, I am not confident about this upcoming game. Like, San Diego, I feel like, has kind of had a couple letdowns, not just in the missing field goals at the end of the game, but, like, their offense hasn't really clicked just yet. And I could I could see it, it being a long day. Huh. A uh, couple things. There's going to be a lot of Chiefs fans. A lot of Chiefs fans. There's a lot of Dolphins fans there. Who the hell knew Dolphins had fans? I don't know how many seats it holds. I think it's around 30. 27. 27,000? 27,000. Okay, so they said that there were 15,000 Dolphins fans there, 
and people were talking about seeing it on TV and how empty the stadium still looked, which means that Los <laughs> Angeles couldn't string together like 10,000 Charger fans. That's unbelievable. Well, they're playing in Carson. How close is that even to L.A.? I don't know, but L.A. is massive just in terms of land mass. It's all highways everywhere. In terms of people. Okay, yeah. 51 minutes from L.A. to Carson. Who knows isn't where it, that's taken it from L.A.? 50, isn't it 51 minutes from L.A. to like the first... To, to anywhere? a mile? Yeah. <laughs> it's traffic. Yeah. So, um... I don't know. I'm I'm a little worried. It's just that that AFC West and the I Chargers. They're gonna be, and they're going to be desperate. Oh yeah, they're going to be desperate, and they're a pretty good team. Uh, probably should be one and one, based on playing two close games. Mm-hmm. But you know, I put that that together that regression article uh, over the off season, and it was basically like <laughs> it was like a team's record in close games the year before usually swings back to 500 the next year and it pretty much applied to everybody except San Diego doing it both years back to back and now they're doing it again this year they're really weird I, I don't I don't know what to think about them yeah. Um, yeah on defense it's outside linebackers and pass rushers or outside linebackers and cover corners yeah uh, they're built a lot like Denver pretty much which the Chiefs have had good success against because they don't throw to the outside that much. Like, go ahead, take away our receivers. We'll throw over the middle and run the ball. Uh, running the ball is definitely the way to beat San Diego. And I said San Diego, obviously, I don't know how many times now, uh, to beat the Chargers. Uh, I know they gave up a lot to Denver in week one. I didn't see what Ajayi did, actually. Uh, he had a good game. Did he? 28 for 122. There you go. Uh, their weakness is definitely running the ball. Uh, so, Kareem Hunt game. Uh, look to get a second back involved, whether that's Akeem Hunt or CJ Spiller, depending on what day it is. Akeem Hunt had a nice kickoff return. Really too. nice. Yeah. So just shook a tackle and then gained like twenty yards after it. it yes. Yeah. Nice. He's. But I mean, it's, it's, plus it's, the Hunt to Hunt connection. Yeah. Hunt brothers can't be bad. Mm-hmm. Let's get that going. That, I, don't, I don't care how good he is, just put him in. Yeah. I could. I, I can dig it. Plus, Sharkandricks had some success against San Diego too. Yeah. I really. Um, I guess I just I. Four C after like two really fun weeks, um, just you know you're waiting for bad stuff to happen. I'm a Chiefs fan. I, I have a, I have a feeling that we're going to win. Um, also worth mentioning that this is um, this is the first of how like seven or eight straight non noon games for the Chiefs. I saw that. Um, we don't, I don't even know what that means. The Chiefs don't play at noon. For two months, two months from today, it's not. It's November nineteenth is the next noon game for the Kansas City Chiefs. All right, that's I un- love that. That's unbelievable. I love that because I mean, noon slate's the busy one. We get to watch more teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's fun. A lot of prime time. Yep, a lot of prime, prime time. So um, I, I mean, I that's that's about what I've got today. I don't know if you've got something else that you um, want to, to end on. I oh, I take that back. I do. I have, I have two quick thoughts. Is that okay? Can I go? Can yeah. I go? What? <laughs> yeah. Okay. You're holding up your hand like I, you're about to kick off. I have two. Like yeah. about to... <laughs> I got two. Number one, I love Marcus Peters and him trying to look at Doug Peterson's play sheet. Oh, I didn't see that. Oh man, you got to you got to get some of the extra like ooh la la from the game broadcast. Yeah. It, it's you miss fun. a little bit, but it's also you know you can watch it in 32 minutes without. 
quick touch on the Eagles finger. called a timeout in the first quarter or something, and Marcus Peters goes over to the sideline, the Eagles sideline, and he's like kind of talking back and forth with Peterson, and he tries to like grab his play sheet. <laughs> he's trying to look at it, and Doug's awesome. like, you can't do that. But I, I know all your plays anyway. Yeah. Coach. I, mean, I, I know. Dude, Peters could look at that playbook for how long and, and try and get something out of it. Right. Uh, <laughs> we got personnel packages here. Yeah. Uh, uh, I don't know. Um, the, so the other thing, uh, the penalties that are happening in the secondary, primarily in terms of Terrence Mitchell and Philip Gaines, um, a little concerning, I guess. But it's almost like they're they're really testing out that like, kind of Seahawks mentality uh, from from I guess a few years back, where it was like we're going to start emphasizing illegal contact, and it was basically like. Well, then we're going to illegally contact on every oh, yeah. play and see how many flags you will call. I had that exact same thought. We've had a lot. So, a lot this year. They, I just feel like we've been like pretty hands on so far. Yeah. And, and again, primarily Mitchell and Gaines. And some of that is them trying to get timing and, and rhythm back because, I mean, Mitchell missed all the preseason. Philip Gaines hasn't played consistently for a long time. Um, it was also odd because Alshon was allowed to offensive pass interfere any time he wanted. Yeah. I, I'm gonna. I th- I've probably already said this, so sorry if I've already made this really great point before. Apology accepted. But I think that these weeks leading up to Stephen Nelson coming back are so valuable for guys like Terrence Mitchell and Philip Gaines and Bob Sutton, and whether it's Kenneth Acker or DJ White or whoever ends up getting all of these reps. Because it helps us establish who we can count on, and ultimately, like if someone goes down, like knowing knowing where to go. Getting Nelson back, the, that the idea that seemingly he's going to be perfectly fine, and we're going to bring him back in week nine or ten or whatever. Um, that's I think it's good. It sucks that we may be taking some lumps, but I think that these guys are going to adjust and, and figure it out. And I thought hopefully Gaines got roughed up a little bit against New England. Terrence Mitchell had a lot of penalties, but, man, he got thrown at so many times. Mm-hmm. Like, targets plus, plus plays he was penalized on. It was probably, like, 15 or something. Yeah. Uh, I thought he really made as many nice plays as he got beat on. And then in this game, that air before halftime where you watch the replay, it's really weird. He's, he basically turns into a safety because he's just over the top. And he's so focused on making the tackle on Ertz that the ball just kind of comes down and just, like, hits him in the chest. Like, he never looks at the ball I think until it it's hitting hit, him. I think it actually hit his hand. And then he, so he hit, he sees it and just, like, flings up his arms and pops it in the air. I don't – he's not too much at fault. I mean, it looks terrible, obviously. Uh, so I think Terrence Mitchell probably has a lot of people questioning him right now, and I think he's looked better than you'd think yeah. over the first two weeks. Yeah, he looks okay. So I will, I will defend him. Would you uh, – I, I, I pose this – on the tweeter, Bill Simmons, yeah, Bill Simmons says that the Malcolm Butler situation in New England, he didn't start against New Orleans. Really? They played Eric Rowe over him or something, and he's like, this is nothing to do with performance. Like, it really feels like the Jamie Collins situation, and I think that they're going to ship him off before. I think the trade deadline is like week six or something like that. Um, they tried to trade him all offseason yeah. and couldn't seem to work it out. He's on a one-year deal for like $3 million, um, and he'll be a free agent next year. So I think he's actually making less than this guy. But Simmons said 
you know, Cousin Sal making his jokes. He's like, yeah, you'll trade him for Jordy Nelson and go win the Super Bowl. <laughs> um, but, Was that a white wide receiver joke? <laughs> no. <laughs> Actually, maybe it was. <laughs> Oh, you can turn any white receiver into being someone good. How about you take the best one? Yeah. Um, But he said that he assumed that they would probably do it for a front seven player, just mainly because of, I assume, the struggles against the Chiefs. Um, And so it got me thinking. Would you trade D. Ford for Malcolm Butler? Um, And the biggest thing here, and I know that a lot of people, just in terms of who Malcolm Butler is versus who D. Ford is, might be thinking... Well, Malcolm Butler's way better than D. Ford, so how much do you have to give up? But Butler's on the one-year deal. You have two years of control for D. Ford. Um, I don't know if D. Ford is a good fit for New England at all, but, I mean, I would think Belichick, just the way that he moves personnel around, would find ways for him to be successful. Yeah. If he, if, if it was a player-for-player player thing, like, this is a no-brainer for me. I, I don't think know if you have they would make the deal because they have such a hole mm-hmm. at pass rusher. But us at corner, with Mitchell coming on, and we like Nelson, and Gaines is okay. All those guys like, are I think young, too. D. Ford has more value to the Chiefs than Malcolm Butler. Mm. Right now. Because if D. Ford goes out, who's, who's your edge rusher? Frank Zombo. Frank Zombo. Until the Until pup Tomba list comes is back. over, and then you have Tomba, and you have Daddy, and another Daddy's name. not going to come back, is he? Is he's he on, on, on pup. pup. Yeah, he and Tomba both got put on pup. Um, now the other name that hasn't really been mentioned here, K Pass, K Passa. Yeah, TK, K Passa. Um, zero snaps in the first two weeks. He's got five on special teams, but nothing on defense. Which I guess not a surprise. Shouldn't be a surprise based on how raw we thought he was when he got drafted. But I guess I am surprised based on. Like, how well he seemed to perform in the preseason. Like, why hasn't he... Like, not even one? Not one, Bob? Yeah. But they bring those guys along slowly. I mean, both Danny Nicholas couldn't really get on the field. Close. Yeah. And he looked great. And they are both really close games. Yeah. But also second-round pick versus, like, Daddy was a six-rounder. That's fair. Something like that. That's know. fair. Uh, yeah, not a surprise. Uh, wouldn't, I'd be down with getting him some snaps, I guess. Let's throw him in there, see how he looks. Uh, but, yeah, I don't know. The trade... I think it's very interesting. It's very it's a good debate. I have to think on it more because it's just uh, kind of dawned on me. Um, I guess I'm philosophically, just I'd take a well, I guess pass rusher and corner are kind of even to me. Mm-hmm. I just I don't, don't think that D like generates that much in terms of a pass rush. Like him as an individual player, he will succeed based on Justin Houston being good and Chris Jones being good. And basically, like, all of the other guys around him. He does have some natural ability. There's no question about that. But he also doesn't have an inside move. He hasn't developed anything other than trying to run around the edge faster than the offensive lineman can get to him, for the most part. And we're in his fifth season or something. I would so, say, I don't see D. Ford signing a long-term contract here. But I think he holds more value to the 2017 Chiefs than Malcolm Butler. So it's really tough to evaluate. Yeah, I could see that. The, the biggest... I, I, it's hard to imagine go, doing it mid-season, yeah. especially for the two best teams in the AFC. Yeah. I mean, for me, I... Like, I think they're both kind of looking at each other like, you trying to pull one over on me? Oh, yeah. You trying to pull one over on me? For sure. I, don't, I mean, I don't, I don't think it would happen. They're going to pick up some... We need to get their, one of their cell phones and then make a mock call. 
I'm uh, call up either Andy or Belichick as the other. Oh, okay. I was trying to figure out far what, what you were saying. Pretty far fetched, I know, but then know just pitch the trade and see what their interest level sounds like. Okay. Oh, wondering about like that's interesting. Destroying cell phones. And oh, no, <laughs> I could. I was like, where there are so many potential jokes because no, the Patriots. It was Joe been... Horn pulling a cell phone out of the field goal post and, and talking. Oh, about it. That was okay. the joke. Oh, mm. well, I mean, the Patriots have cheated a lot, so <laughs> there, was, there was just countless possibilities for me there. Uh, all right, so the Chiefs are two zero. They're going to the Los Angeles Chargers at the StubHub Center. Carson Chargers. Sunday afternoon. Um, in honor of that, this has been Amateur Hour. I'm Ryan Scott. All he's his darkness. You can find us in Arrowhead Pride. And this is Kanye West with a song called No More Parties in L.A. Because y'all ain't going to party in L.A. Because we're going to be out there. We we, we going to party in L.A. You just said we're going to lose. I, just, I don't know. I can hope. <laughs> I hope that we win. You didn't have that, that take straightened out before before choosing the song, did you? No. I just wanted, I wanted uh, to say no more parties in L.A. Is this the week three letdown that you always foresee, like, against the Jets last year? Um, I don't know. I think the biggest thing for me is just, like, there's just too much familiarity. And it's, like, 2-0, oh, 0-2. Oh I'm just like, eh. It's, it's one of those games that, like, I'm not a betting man anyways, but, like, I would not. Would not bet this game. Gotcha. Um, I didn't catch that part of the Simmons and Sal podcast yet, but like, I'm sure that people are just gonna like load up on cheese. I don't know. What, yeah, what do you think the line for that? She is by three, three and a half. Yeah, I guess. Not, I, haven't looked, I haven't looked at it, so not a prepare to mock me. Not a tremendous amount of respect. Right no, now. Or is that good. just Vegas expecting? That's pretty good. That means we're six points better neutral. Or no? Oh, okay. Yeah, six points better neutral. Okay. We'll be favored by nine at home. Oh. Okay, that sounds about right. I don't know how it works, but thanks for explaining that to me. That's that's what you see a lot. A better team going on the road to a team that's good. They could lose mm-hmm. to them, but you know the other team's better. It's your birthday tomorrow. What are you going to do? So, I think I might go to the zoo. Oh. Okay. I've only done that like four of the last five years of my birthday. I love the zoo. I would suggest, man, I don't know, it's supposed to be just like what? 90 degrees. Oh, is it really? I think it's going to be a hot day. Maybe I'll just lay in bed. Hmm. I can see. I don't, I'm not a big birthday guy. Kind of used to be, I guess, but I don't know. Yeah. I don't like like making plans like that. Some, like, hey, we gotta do something on your birthday. Oh no, the parties are good. I'm gonna say we've had some pretty good birthday parties. The parties. Are good. <laughs> Those are good. I don't really like to do anything other than have a bunch of people at my house and well, have I don't a party. Like, what are you gonna do? And everyone's oh. talking to me. I'm just like, eh. <laughs> I don't want to talk to people. <laughs> are you gonna? Wait, 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 I got a rant to go on. I forgot to get this in. Did you watch the Emmys at all? No, I don't. God, they fucking sucked. Rewards or reward award shows reward shows have been completely ruined by Donald Trump because all they do is get up there and just take shots at Donald Trump every single speech every single present presenter that walks up there that's all they do the entire show is just that and it's just like shut the fuck up shut up we don't care do not care. And it's not helping. But they, they think it's care. like, I don't know what they think. That it's like helping the cause. Like, we're going to show people how bad Trump is. All it does is have people who support Trump watch this and then support Trump even more because of it. Because they think it's shit. Hmm. So award shows are just ruined now. They I'm care about it. I'm sad. Clearly. You I'm don't sorry. care about it. I'm and sorry. many people do not care about it. But they care. They care. 
Hey, Patel. Who? What was the biggest upset of the night, other than everyone talking about Trump? You know what I mean? No, I don't look at odds before because they know everyone who wins beforehand. But just like for you, who were you like? <laughs> well, the show that won best drama it was. Wasn't it The Handmaiden's Tale? Yeah, yeah. I never heard of it. I like the chick from Mad Men, I guess, but I've never watched it. It's on Hulu. I don't have Hulu. Uh, I heard I heard that it was good, and one of those, like... Ooh. Kind of hard hard to watch. The uh, the best show of last year, God, the name is slipping me, with Nicole Kidman and Reese Witherspoon and... Oh, Big Little Lives. Big Little Lives. That was the best show of last year. Probably. And they were properly rewarded. But they were in, like, the miniseries category for everything, so... Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, because it's, it's just one so it's kind of, one, yeah. Okay. So they kind of just walked over. They won everything, I think. Really? It was okay. That's good. Veep. Veep won a lot. Veep's good. Veep wins a lot. I've never really watched it. It's good. It's fine. Yeah. I mean, I'm as unpolitics as it gets. For not liking politics, as I'm anti-politics surprised. as it gets. But I mean, yeah. Julie Redrive is just she's fantastic. Okay. She won again. I saw uh, the guy uh, from The Night of won. For the night of, yeah, Riz Ahmed or whatever. That's, he's actually British. It's really long time ago, it seems like. Yeah, no, I don't know when the cutoff is. Like April, maybe. Hmm. There's some Game of Thrones wasn't um, in there. Yes, they weren't the running because between the deadlines, neither of their seasons aired. Hmm. It aired like just before the end of the deadline the year before, and just after the deadline this year. Uh, so. No Game of Thrones. Okay. I'm sure everyone else was really excited that they didn't have to compete against Game Probably. of Thrones. Or everyone's really excited to get to compete against this season of Game of yeah. Thrones because everyone seems everyone's to Everyone's just shuffling their show for Everyone next year. thinks that it's so bad. Man, I used to love award shows and they just, they just don't do it for me anymore like they used to. I don't, I don't think that I've ever really been on award shows because it just feels like a, an extension of, like, Broadway and everyone's overacting and so animated that I'm just like, shut up! You're that's obnoxious. What, that's what I'm like now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Hey, I really enjoyed that! Congratulations, honey. You were great. Oh.